Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we are continuing our conversation with Jared Jones, the fitness manager at Movar Fitness Resort in Southern Utah. Jared last week gave us some incredible insight into his life and his views of fitness. And this week he gives us a lot of practical takeaways about his training principles, what we need to do. He gives us some great ideas for books and things we can do and really helps us get the right mindset that we need to approach for our life. So you don't want to miss any of it. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Confident Man Podcast, empowering men with the confidence they need to live their adventure. Now, here is your host, David Maxwell. Whether we're talking about CrossFit or F45 or, or Olympic weightlifting or bodybuilding or, you know, Orange Theory Fitness, Zumba, yoga, Pilates, whatever the, the flashy latest, greatest program is. Um, the ones that really separate themselves are the ones that involve three, uh, main ideas. The, the first, the first training principle that I think is most understood is the principle of variability. Um, you know, Einstein said it best with his definition of insanity. We've all heard it, but, but the idea of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot with people at Movara, but you know, we've applied that definition in other areas of our life. You know, we can see how it plays out in our relationships with other people. We can see how it plays out in our, our work environment with our coworkers and projects, but how many times have we looked at it in, in what we're doing for our systems of fitness and nutrition? Um, you know, and that, that general idea goes against the, the traditional approach to strength training, for example, where you have an individual who says, you know, you know, Monday and Wednesday is my arms and my abs day and Tuesday and Thursday, I'm do working legs and back. And I'm going to do my 30 minutes of cardio before my strength training and then my stretching afterwards and all these things. Um, it's very systematic. And the more systematic we are with what we're doing with our bodies, the more our bodies adapt to save energy within those systems, you know, fat body fat is stored energy. And our bodies think that we're doing tremendous things when we can eat food that's high calorically with no nutrients, it signals a, a, a hormonal response in our body that we're doing the right thing because this is like free energy for the future famine that's coming. Um, but but, you know, we have to start approaching it a little bit different, um, especially in terms of what we're moving. You know, the more we keep our body guessing, uh, the better it is because our, we never allow it to adapt that range of motion or that energy system or that heart rate. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've you know, been in the gym situation, you'll see the same person on the same machine for the same amount of time going yeah. the same speed. Six months goes by and that person is frustrated because they're no closer to their goal than they were six months previous. And that is a perfect example of why variability is so important. And, um, and traditionally people will, will say, well, how often do we switch it up? And, 
you know, my answer is, you know, look at the, the systems of exercise right now that are most popular in, in our country in Western culture, things like F45 or orange theory fitness or CrossFit franchises, and look at what they're doing in terms of their exercise programming. If you go to those systems, you won't repeat the same workout more than once. It's a mm -hmm. daily workout for a reason. It's constantly switching up either the rep numbers or the stimulus or the energy systems or the exercises. And, and so as a result, the body never operates within that area of efficiency. We're constantly um, operating, getting the most bang for our buck by keeping our body guessing. Um, and so that's the first principle that I think applies across the board, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to completely switch your routine up, but it means switch, you know, switch, you know, the number of reps or the amount of weight, um, the days that you do it, change up the exercises and, and the results, um, usually surprise people because they might have hit a plateau and they're hitting the gym hard and the numbers aren't moving. And then as soon as we switch it up, um, it's amazing that, uh, when we, when we stop focusing on trying to hit that outcome, the outcome is the result ultimately of applying some of these other principles. So, so that's the, the one thing that we start with this, the second key that I think that most people need to do is sprinkling in a little bit of the suck factor. You know, we, by human being, we, we really like doing the things that we're good at, the things that we're comfortable with. And so when we find that routine and we're comfortable with the circuit that we've set up for ourselves, that's what we fall into. But that doesn't mean we have to do some of the stuff that sucks a little bit, that that's hard. And, you know, I usually ask people, um, when I'm presenting material at the resort, you know, how many people like burpees, for example, and no one ever raises their hand because <laughs> burpees are horrible, but everyone acknowledges this idea that if we do burpees, they're good for us. It's just, we, we don't do them. And so that second, that second piece about you know, switching things up, um, and doing the things that we don't like to do isn't necessary. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And so the, the hard part of that isn't recognizing, yeah, I need to switch up my routine. It's, it's how do I do that? How do I force myself to do something that I wouldn't do otherwise? Right. Cause when you're on your way to the, to the gym, you're not thinking of burpees. We're not waiting to get there to do 10 burpees every minute on the minute for, for 30 minutes or something like that. We automatically, our mind goes to the things that we enjoy that we're good at. And so there has to be some type of external stimuli that helps us do those things that we wouldn't do otherwise. Um, and for someone that's, uh, you know, a really into weightlifting, you know, maybe that's, adding more cardiovascular response to the routine. Maybe it's adding yoga or Pilates flexibility work into it, right? If you've got a person that is yoga, you know, they benefit greatly from doing some of the functional training classes or, you know, a cardiovascular class. Um, but, but that external stimulus, a great way to do that is um, group exercise classes. Most gyms have them as part of the cost. Um, if you're doing personal training, if you're using online systems um, to help us or help force us to do those things that we wouldn't do um, if left to our own devices, 
I like to use something called um, the Hopper method, which, you know, essentially is this, it's just completely random and unscientific um, where I've got a, a bingo machine, a bingo hopper with the 50 balls I took out and put the names of my 50 favorite exercises you know, not my favorite that I enjoy, but the, fa- you know, the ones that I feel are the most bang for your buck, um, rep for rep exercises. And, um, a lot of times when I'm putting classes together or workouts together for myself and for others, I will randomly select them. You know, I might roll the dice and if it says five, that means I'll pull five of those exercises out and I can plug them into any, any training system, any interval based system, maybe Tabata four minutes of 20 seconds on 10 seconds off. Maybe it's plugging them into some every minute on the minute or, um, some type of interval system. Uh, it's very, very simple, very fast, but also very, very effective. Um, now the thing that we have to worry about though, is that the exercises that we're choosing from are those exercises that we're not going to be doing, doing otherwise, those ones that that are uncomfortable or the most bang for your buck. And I, I use that uh, kind of the, the third, the third piece to that, that equation or the training principle that, that I like to use for general fitness is, um, to choose exercise, not traditionally by the muscles being involved, but instead by the number of joints being involved. So the, the biggest takeaway that I usually tell people that I want people to take away in terms of exercise prescription is to choose multi-joint functional movements to maximize their efficacy and to save time in your life. So I base all of the exercises I choose um, on the number of joints involved. And if it doesn't use at least three of the major movement joints, I don't waste my time with it. So ankles, knees, hips, spine stability, shoulders, elbows, wrists. If, if it's not incorporating at least three of those that I just named, it doesn't go into my, my bingo hopper. I don't waste my time with it. So, um, that's the first piece. Um, I like choosing them by joints because it's more functional in nature. It's how we move in life. We don't move like robots, one muscle group at a time. And so I have a big focus on, on multi-joint movements, but the second piece is functional. and and this is where I get, I, I can sometimes butt heads with, with, um, traditional fitness programmers or trainers is that I only utilize exercises that are functional in nature. So if something does not enhance my function in life, I don't waste my time with it. Um, an example of that, just because there is a lot of, you know, clarification that might be needed there taking something like the leg extension or leg curl machines, very popular machines, effective at generating force, gaining muscle. Um, but I don't utilize those with myself or with my clients because I don't see a function in that in normal life. I can't envision a scenario where I'm upright and my knee is bent and I'm exerting all the force of my quadriceps to straighten that leg or on the very flip side of that, standing upright and exerting all of my force to bend my knee, right? That's a a non-functional, non-natural or unnatural movement. 
And so when I introduce those types of movements, um, yeah, they might be increasing the stimulus on the muscle, but they're also increasing the tension and the pressure on the joint. They're also increasing the amount of friction where those bones are articulating outside of what would be normal and functional movements. And so sometimes when we incorporate those types of exercises, um, it does more damage than good on the joint. And so there are opportunities or times when, when they're appropriate, you know, for aesthetics and, and symmetry and, or rehabilitation environments like physical therapy after, you know, uh, a joint replacement or something like that. But for general fitness, I tend to shy away from those types of movements. And so that's the second piece, the functional piece. So multi-joint functional movements. And if we do that, it's the more effective and it saves us time. And the way that, the way that we can kind of quantify that is, is ultimately by using physics, basic definition of of moving, you know, if we can quantify our work by measuring force through a distance, right? And okay. so when we're using more joints, we're using, we're increasing both of those variables. We're increasing the force and we're also increasing the distance in which that force is traveling. And so if we're quantifying, for example, um, and this is hard to do with just uh, voice, but if we look at like bicep curl, probably, probably the most common, if not the most, one of the most common exercises in the gym, it's relatively little output. It's not as much weight. Um, and we're moving it through a, a limited range of motion. It takes a lot of time when we're working one muscle group at a time, because I got to do my, my, you know, eight to 12 reps, uh, you know, two to three sets with rest in between my sets. And I spend a huge amount of time for little quantifiable work. But if we compare that to something like uh, an exercise, like the thruster, for example, which is a, usually done with a barbell, but it can be done with any weight. Um, it's a combination of a front squat to an overhead press. When we look at something like that, where we've got more resistance and we're moving that through a much wider range of motion, starting at shoulder level with a bar and the weight, dropping down to a full squat and then extending that weight at full reach overhead. It's moving that force through a much greater range of motion. And so when we really measure it from an exercise science standpoint, the output that the muscles are working in, we can find that the overall output of one repetition of that thruster exercise is going to deliver two to 300 times the output of one repetition of a bicep curl. And so by plugging something like thrusters into four minutes of a, a Tabata workout, 20 seconds on 10 seconds off, we're going to find the, the output, you know, much, much greater. And in four or five minutes doing those compound exercises, you're going to generate more work than a traditional, um, workout in a gym where a person's there for 60 to 90 minutes doing one muscle group at a time, doing their sets and reps and kind of working through it that way. And so that's the piece that I hope most people would take away is that um, we can be a lot smarter with the, the time that we have and be more effective by focusing on those multi-joint functional movements um, rather than the individual muscle groups. Um, and and ultimately, the results are, are going to, to come as well. 
you know, when, when the result or the outcome isn't the focus and we move to doing the right things for the right reasons, the outcome is going to come. It's just not where our focus is. And that's where it becomes a habit. That's where it becomes life. And then it's not us begrudgingly having to go to the gym and go through the motions of exercising. It's us living our life to our fullest, doing the things that we would do regardless um, and having that, that outcome as just kind of a side benefit. And, and that's really where the magic happens is when we lose sight of what the outcome is. And it's just us living our life rather than exercising for a specific reason. Yeah, I think I would agree with that because I know people who exercise to them is almost like a slave driver based upon they're like, oh, I ate a piece of cake today. So I got to go do extra, you know, uh, extra cardio or do extra ab workout or stuff like that. And they're, they're almost a slave to the exercise where it's not fun. They, they do it because they're like, oh, I have to do this. And those are the people yep. who usually end up stopping. Yeah. And it goes right back to what we talked about doing it for the right reasons. Exactly. If we're doing it because we have to, you're not going to get there, especially with, with all of the research that's coming out right now. Um, and, and this it's, it's, this is specific to, to weight loss or body fat reduction, um, which is a component of, of getting in shape for some people, depending on what it is, but there have been two amazing um, books that have come out in the last year that um, have validated these ideas that I've been teaching for years. But they're, the thing that's exciting to me about these books and about research that's coming out right now is that the, exor- uh, the, the research that's coming out in regard to exercise and nutrition isn't coming from nutritionists and dietitians or exercise science. A lot of it is coming from evolutionary anthropologists, people that are studying our behaviors now and our health now in, in, um, comparison and contrast to, you know, previous versions of, of humans. And, and it's interesting. One of the books is, is called burn by a guy named Herman Ponser. And the other one is called exercised by Daniel Lieberman. And and, and the subtitle of that one is why something we never evolved to do is good for us. But both of them, the premise of the book is that there is very little to no association between exercise and weight loss, mm. um, which is completely backwards from the messages that we have been conditioned to believe our whole lives. Um, and we start, you know, when we approach you know, when we try to approach weight loss mathematically and we're trying to burn more calories because that's going to, you know, equate to more weight loss. And, and now we're seeing that that's not necessarily the case. You know, it's, you know, for weight loss, you know, Ponser in his book, Burn, he says that weight loss is that your, uh, excuse me, that nutrition is the tool for weight loss, exercise is the tool for everything else. Um, And, and so it's really exciting to see that. And, and I think part of the reason why that people emphasize exercise so much is what you just said. We've been conditioned to, 
to believe for so long that that the end result um that this is the only way to get where we want to go and so we go through the motions we go to the gym because that's what we think we have to do but but ultimately if we you know lost sight of that um and focused on really why we wanted to get to where we wanted to be all of those other behaviors just kind of fall into place and we end up getting there but it's 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 not at the forefront it's not causing us shame if we miss a day and can't get to the gym we just let it kind of um roll off and and we can continue to move on but but for most people when they talk about getting in shape that means losing some some body weight it's not necessarily yeah. increasing strength or looking like bodybuilders talk about losing weight that's what the focus is and if most people understood that that is entirely nutrition based and if nutrition isn't on point exercise isn't going to enhance or get you there any faster it helps us really focus on why we're doing it um yeah. and and ask that tough question of doing it for the right reason yeah no i agree with that cuz that's that's one thing i've learned on my journey is is uh, my weight and body fat has always been conditioned on my eating and not my exercising. And I, I tell people that you exercise to feel better and you enjoy it, but your eating has everything to do with your, your weight and, and how much mass you have as far as fat and stuff like that. Um, that makes so much sense. Um, and I think it releases people from the bondage of, you know, I have to go to the gym, which, you know, gym owners like it when you come or when you pay to come and they don't care if you come or not, but you know, you're paying to come. Um, but a lot of people, they, they feel like, you know, the gym owns them and they have to do it, like you said. And so they just, there's no enjoyment. And so they're not going to do anything and add variety. They're going to do their time. You know, I'm going to go spend my 60 minutes on the, uh, treadmill watching TV. And then I'll feel like I did something. Yeah. That, what you just said is, is right on point. And it, it goes back to this social and cultural conditioning. Um, but the fitness industry is, and maybe it's just because this is the industry I'm in, but it is highly unregulated. It is not, there's no, you know, national accreditation or national standard on, on what, you know, you know, what a fitness trainer is or what if a message or an exercise program qualifies in having, you know, what standards have to be met. And so we find that, that fitness and our physical health and exercise have been capitalized. And so, you know, exercise for a lot of people is about getting healthy, but for the people providing those services, it's about selling a product and a service, you know, gym industry, if gyms stayed open only by the revenue from the people using the gyms, there would be no gyms open. Um, gyms know this idea that, you know, people at, at the beginning of the year, New Year's, for example, the most common New Year's resolution is to lose weight. And the first thing that people do is not, I need to get my meal and food plan in order. It's, I need to get to the gym. Yeah. Um, the gym standard, you know, I found out in a, in one of the gym environments that I worked in, they told me that 75% of the four, first corner, excuse me, 75% of the first 
quarter revenue comes from January 1st. So wow. 75% of the revenue generated in three months of business being open comes from one day. Um, and of course, when you go there and you sit down and you say, you know, I want a gym membership, they'll say it's a hundred dollars a month, or they'll say it's $10 or sorry, hundred dollars a month. If you go month to month, or if you do a two year contract, it's $10 a month. And because the intensity is high and we're focused, we sign the dotted line. That's because the gym industry knows that most people are going to fall off within yeah. a month or two, but they'll continue to generate that revenue. And we've been conditioned to listen to products and services that are trying to sell us something as the, as the standard, rather than looking at the science of how the body actually works in in the second book that I just referenced and exercised, he talks about how they took some, uh, they took some treadmills down to, to Mexico, to the Tarahumara people. If you're familiar with the book Born to Run, that's the, the people that I was talking about. But culturally, they run hundreds of miles a week. Um, it's just part of what they do. And so they, the, these researchers went down to these people um, with some treadmills to watch how they ran, to analyze their gait um, patterns. And the treadmill was a completely foreign object to them. They had no idea. And so when it was communicated to them that in the United States and in other parts of the world, there were whole buildings full of these machines where people would go in order to run in place for the purpose of burning calories. These people thought it was hilarious and thought it was a joke that people would <laughs> drive to a gym in order to run in place for something that they saw had nothing to do with what they were doing. It was just, it was, it was a hilarious concept. And if we step back from our cultural conditioning and look at it that way, it is pretty humorous. You know, we, we add, you know, a lot of value in regard to exercise and I'm not trying to delegitimize exercise, you know, but yeah. we have to be realistic with what our expectations are, or we're just going to get, you know, frustrated, you know, exercise is great for our bone strength. It's, it's essential for our immune system function. It, it helps with our, our mood. It's one of the best anti-depression and anti-anxiety practices. It gives us more energy. It helps us sleep better. You know, it increases our relationships, our sex life. It includes, increases our, our memory. You know, our, our productivity goes up when we exercise. It helps with our skin health, um, stronger muscles, which is going to increase our metabolic rate and, and will have um, uh, impacts down, down those roles. It helps with, you know, chronic disease, ultimately helping us live longer and longevity. So all these things. And so by, by saying, I'm, you know, I don't want to delegitimize exercise by, by saying this, but I think people really have to get the, the priorities straight in regard to nutrition and exercise and nutrition has to be in place first. And then the, the exercise piece. And I don't even like the term exercise. I, I rather use the term movement because that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about utilizing our body. And when we really break it down, and we ask ourselves those tough questions of why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm going to the gym, why I'm eating this way, why I want to look a certain way, why I want to lose weight, all these things. When we really get to the core, it has nothing to do with a number on a scale or how we look in the mirror. 
It's what we think those numbers mean or what that image reflects to others. And, and ultimately that stuff has to start the, the conversation because if we don't have clear definitions of where we want to be and why we're doing it, um, we're going to constantly get frustrated of why we're not, you know, at a, a place that hasn't been determined yet. We're constantly yeah. seeking, you know, seeking an answer that, that we haven't asked the question for. Well, let's do this. If, if there's guys out there who want to kind of start moving down this path, as far as the nutrition path, the, the movement path, what are there any, I know you recommended the two books, burn and exercise. Are there any other resources that you think would be good ones for them to, to get to either or websites or, you know, YouTube pieces, things like that? Absolutely. And, um, and I'm glad you asked that because one of the books is, is a piece that I touch on a lot. Um, there, there's a book by, um, a guy named Kelly Starrett, Dr. Kelly Starrett. He's a physical therapist, but he wrote a book and it's got kind of a funny title, but it's called becoming a supple leopard. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a book on mobility. Um, and, and that's like my Bible, you know, after doing exercise science, my bachelor's degree, my master's degree is in human movement biomechanics and corrective exercise. And so my biggest focus has been on utilizing the body and moving better. That's why I always tell people when you're starting an exercise program, the first thing shouldn't be cardio. The first thing shouldn't be strength. The first thing in the components of fitness should be some type of flexibility training because our body's ability to move the function of the body is really limited or enhanced by that ability to move. You know, if I have limitations of my flexibility, that limits my range of motion and limits what I can get out of the exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I've got good range of motion, it's going to enhance. And so if I've got crappy flexibility, I'm not going to be able to do as much in terms of my strength or my cardio, but if I've got great flexibility, it's going to enhance what I get in those other components. And most people spent us live a pretty sedentary lifestyle. Um, and so we have a lot of muscle imbalances that if aren't corrected first, um, can really do some damage in terms of increasing risk of injury and hurting the body long-term. Um, and so I love that book mobile on, on mobility. The other book that I really highly recommend is one called power speed endurance by a guy named Brian McKenzie which, um, I really like because it saved me miles and miles and miles and hours and hours of running training by switching my focus. The whole premise of that idea is, is using anaerobic threshold training to enhance our, our aerobic output or our ability to do cardiovascular events. Well, there's, there's a quote by one of my favorite nutrition-based authors, Michael Pollan, in regard to nutrition. He said that, you know, our diet has changed more. Our food sources have changed more in the last 50 years than the previous 10,000 years. And I like to kind of apply that same methodology to our exercise, that our understanding of exercise, its benefits and its limitations I think have changed more in the last 10 years 
than the previous 500 years. And we are constantly learning more about how our bodies are adapting. And so I, I it enhances or um, strengthens this idea that, you know, doing the things that we enjoy are going to be more beneficial than doing things based on what we think an outcome is going to be um, yeah. because it's constantly changing. And so my chain, my approach to aerobic endurance training is different today than it was five years ago. And so we don't ever want to get so entrenched into the idea that there's one way or that there's one single best program for everyone, because we are all unique biological organisms with different strengths and weaknesses and different um, genetic strengths and weaknesses. And so everyone's movement-based program is going to be specific based on what those are. And so the more we become in line with who we are and what the ultimate goal is and who we want to become, the more beneficial it's going to be. And as a result, the faster we're going to be able to become that person. I, lo I love the the whole mentality shift because I think that's the key is is breaking out of the, the the bondage of, well, I have to do it this way, or this is the way I've always done it. Or, you know, the guy who I always talk about the guy who the first of the year says, I'm going to do the 12 egg a day diet and run five miles a day. And that lasts for about a week. And then, you know, he crashes and says, well, I just can't do anything. Uh, yep. And doesn't really change the whole mindset, uh, which I think that's the key in all this. It really is. And I, you know, I use the, um, the concept or the example a lot of a line or a, a, a continuum, you know, that extends infinitely, a scale that extends infinitely in both directions as a representation of our journey, our wellness, our life's purpose. And if we, whatever the, whatever the metric is that, that tells me where I'm at on that continuum, and we look at our life and our behaviors and our exercise and our nutrition, we start to see that we have 100% control over where the direction that we want to go. Every decision that I make in the day, no matter how big or small, every action I take, no matter how big or small, is moving me closer to where I want to be, that better version of myself, or it's moving me further away. There's no standing still. Our health, our wellness, it's dynamic. And everything that we do is moving us closer or further away. And typically, we like to think they're the big decisions, like going to the gym. Then, you know, that's one big step in the right direction. But that big jump in the right direction is sabotaged with poor eating. And we take five steps backwards. And so um, the other piece of that is, by default, if I'm not actively making those decisions to move me closer to my desired results or closer to the person I want to be, by default, I'm moving backwards. And that's where the danger is, is not having the focus, not having that mind shift. But once we have the clarity of how we can be more successful um, doing things for the right reasons, and we're just constantly making those little decisions throughout the day, moving close to where we want to be, it's amazing how exponential it all becomes and how easy it becomes um, when we're just focused on living our best life and not trying to reach this outcome that's based on something that's, you know, that's not based on science. It's based on this expectation that we've been culturally 
um, conditioned to think is the end result. You know, yeah. we get to determine, we get to determine what our life is going to look like. We get to determine what we want to be like. And then we have all of the tools to get there, but it does take action. It does take focus in order to, to move in the right direction. That is great. Well, Jared, I appreciate all this. I think, I think you've helped our guys a whole, whole lot. If people want to find out more about Mavar, where's the information on that? So our, our website is www.movara.com. That's just spelled M-O-V-A-R-A. Um, if anyone has any you know, questions for me specifically or want to talk a little bit more uh, about some of the things that I said, because I know some of the concepts could sound kind of out there. If you want to dig a little bit deeper, you're welcome to reach out to me. My email address is jared at movara.com or... Um, you can follow me and reach out to me on, on Instagram at, um, at movara.trainer.jared. Um, and you can access some of my content, um, and interact with me there as well. Okay. That'd be great. So it's at movara.trainer.jared. That's it. All right. That is good stuff. And I'll put all that in the show notes for people Perfect. so they can jump on it. So thank you. Well, Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for the opportunity to share a little of my craziness. Hey guys, thanks for joining me for this episode. It went a little long because I just couldn't find a good place to stop. He kept putting out so much good stuff. I'd encourage you to check out the resources. I put them in the show notes uh, because what you want to do is take charge of your healthiness as a man. You don't want to let other people's expectations or things be what motivates you, what pushes you. You want to know who you are and where you want to be as a man. So I encourage you, just do that. Start taking some intentionality and putting it to your fitness goals, and you'll be amazed at what will happen in your life. Well, don't miss next week. We're going to continue in this series a little bit, not talking about health so much. As far as we're going to be talking about a man's source of discouragement, because I think sometimes we discourage ourselves by our attitudes. So we'll see you then. been listening to the confident man podcast click subscribe so you don't miss a future episode you can connect with david on facebook and instagram at david the maxwell find resources to help you as a man at theconfidentman.me that's theconfidentman.me